State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. In the middle of life's messes. Hi, happy mess. I'm Ziri Hall, and this is Hot, Hot happy, happy Mess. Oh, shoot. <laughs> what's up? What's up? What's up? I am Zuri. That was a lot of what's ups. Hi. Welcome back to Hot Happy Mess. This episode is reaching you as I am in the thick of my European vacation. How do you say vacation in French? I pre-recorded this. So this is technically me before the flight. By the time you hear this, yes, I will be hopefully in France and or somewhere in Europe or the United Kingdom living my best life. Um, But today I am still bringing you Astrology 102. One of our most popular episodes from season one um, featured Mecca. She is a total rock star. No pun intended. Okay, I kind of did mean the pun. Get it? Star? Because astrology. Anyways, uh, Mecca's back. She's an amazing, super talented astrologer. And I am learning more about the astrological signs and what they mean for us, not just individually, but collectively. It's been a lot of fun. Um, and this conversation with Mecca was really fun. We know we are approaching cancer season, so we've got some gems for the cancers out there. Y'all know I am a proud card-carrying Gemini, so all my Gemini should definitely stay tuned. And then all the other signs too. Mecca's giving some really fascinating examples uh, based on various signs in the Zodiac. And then also telling us about her new book where you can get into the nitty gritty of any and every sign you need to learn about, including your own. So without further ado, here's Mecca. She's back. Mecca Woods is a New York City-based astrologer and author who works to help others create a life they truly want using their natural born gifts. Her writing and astro guidance have appeared in places like 
Bustle, Essence, Cosmopolitan, and on TLC. And y'all loved Mecca the last time she was here. So how could we not have her back? To date, one of our highest performing episodes, thousands of downloads. Welcome back. How are you? Thank you, Zuri. It's good to be back. I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> I am so excited. I'm grateful uh, that you were uh, generous enough to bless us with your presence a second time around. Uh, we need it because look, yeah. Mercury was a retrograde. <laughs> it was acting up. I'm a Gemini. It's my season. So I've been acting up. Um, (laughs) We have a lot to discuss. But first off, how are you doing and how did Mercury treat you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I'm I'm doing good. I've actually had to take uh, a step back from doing readings and, and doing a few things just to kind of give myself to regroup. Um, I think I speak for everyone when I said that 2022 kind of started off on a really rough note. And I think things are kind of starting to kind of smooth out. You know, we're, we're about to uh, start the summer. Cancer season is right around the corner. And I always see cancer season. I think I always find a, a new appreciation for cancer season um, as being kind of like a chance to kind of like uh, rest and breathe before we gear up for like the next uh, half of the year. Right. So that's just kind of like where my mindset is right now in terms of like, just, you know, trying to take some time off, relax, regroup, you know, all that good stuff. Okay. Got it. Uh, well, I'm glad that you'll soon hopefully have that opportunity to regroup and just give yourself some TLC, the self-care you need. Uh, remind us one more time. What's your sign? I'm a Sagittarius. Yes. Sagittarius sun, uh, Leo rising and an Aquarius moon. Okay, got it, got it. I'm Gemini rising, Gemini sun, Capricorn moon. So still figuring out what that means. Um, (laughs) All right, uh, shout out to the Cancers. Since it is their season, that's upon us. Uh, Let's just really quickly, um, maybe give us a a couple of fun facts about the Cancers out there. Who are they to us? What are their maybe best traits and a couple of things to look out for? (laughs) (laughs) So the Cancers are the nurturers of the Zodiac. Um, And when I say nurturing, it's not necessarily like uh, the the traditional form, right? Um, I think Cancers can definitely, you know, make, great moms and dads, but they also are very protective people. And, you know, when they love you, they love you with all their heart and they will protect you with the ferocity of like a lion, a mama lion, you know, (laughs) or or a mama bear. Um, These are folks who remind us what it is to like, listen to our emotional needs and like how to get those emotional needs met. And they also remind us of the importance of like family and, and togetherness. Okay. Got it. Um, I've always thought of them as, or seen them referred to as sort of also the home bodies of the, the Zodiac. Is that true? Is that just. Yeah. Yeah. That goes into like that protective quality, right? Because when, when we talk about cancer, cancer is related to the crab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you think about that, like hard, tough outer shell. Oh, right. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of times cancers are kind of like, you know, kind of to themselves, but if you butter them up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they kind of, they kind of oh, open up a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well, shout out to one of my favorite cancers. It's his season, Charlemagne. Oh, yeah. uh, he is so sweet. And obviously Black Effect is his charge, this podcast network that we're all on. So happy birthday, Char. We love you. I want to talk about your work as a resident astrologer. For Bustle, uh, you share every Zodiac sign's daily horoscope. I would imagine that's a lot of work to dive into um, on a daily basis. What's your process like? How do you dive into the horoscopes? 
Um, so pretty much uh, it goes into what I think each sign needs to hear for that particular day. So definitely it's about looking at the stars and kind of seeing like where the stars are aligning for each uh, zodiac sign. But it's also about thinking about like, well, what does the sign need to hear? So for example, um, you know, Virgos, let's say, are one of the hardest working, you know, people in astrology. But Virgos often have a hard time with relaxing or um, putting themselves first. And so if I'm writing about something, I might say, you know, this is a super busy day, you know, make sure that you're doing something relaxing for yourself. So when I'm thinking about the horoscopes, I'm thinking about ways to um, be encouraging and being empowering for folks, but also give them a little dose of medicine in terms of like what they need. Um, and definitely, you know, for me, it's really important to speak to real world stuff. So even if, you know, it's upbeat or um, empowering or kind of sunny, I also want to make people aware of things that they should be keeping um, an eye out for or even um, just trying to be as realistic and practical with the information that I'm getting. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, we talked a little bit about Mercury being in retrograde before we're out of that retrograde, but what does it actually mean? Like at this point, I feel like Mercury in retrograde has just taken on a life of its own. It's just like, I'm not with whatever's happening right now. Mercury must be in retrograde. Right. What, what is that actually, what does it mean for a planet to be in retrograde or out of it? Right. So whenever we talk about from the astrological standpoint, um, a retrograde planet means that the planet is uh, sort of going backwards. Now, on a scientific level, the planet isn't really going backwards. It's just that from the angle from where we're looking at it from Earth, it looks like it's kind of like um, an optical illusion, if you will. But when we talk about it from an astrological level, basically retro means the past. So whatever that planet represents, we're going back in time or going in the past to kind of retrace our steps or look at something um, that's happened before to kind of figure out where we are now, where we need to go. So, for example, Mercury, um, you know, it's it's one planet that goes retrograde all the time. Mercury goes retrograde every uh, about three to four times a year. So that's the one that we tend to notice the most. Right. I was like, it's uh, got to be at least four times a year. Right. Like, <laughs> oh. Right. Right. So that, that's the one that we tend to, to notice the most because of how frequently it happens. And then, you know, Mercury being the planet of communication, you know, that's where we get like weird text messages or, you know, uh, our, our computer, you know, a laptop clunks out in the middle of what, what we're doing or there's travel delays, like all different kinds of pickups, you know, in terms of like being able to communicate. Um, or get things done. So when Mercury goes retro, it's a time for slowing down, you know, retracing our steps, double checking our work, confirming our plans. Sometimes it's a good time to cancel things or, you know, plans might not necessarily come together when we might want them to, but it actually is a good thing because it helps us to kind of reassess where our attention should be. Or sometimes it can help us to like work through any communication issues that we might be having. Got it. Okay. Communication issues. Yes. That's always a big one. Um, and Mercury, correct me if I'm wrong. Does each Zodiac sign have a planet that corresponds with it? I feel like Mercury and Gemini is a thing. Is Did I just make that up? No, this, yeah, that, that's, that's true. Yeah. Um, Mercury uh, rules uh, two signs. So uh, Gemini and Virgo are the are the signs that are ruled uh, by Mercury. Yeah. Interesting. So do when when two signs maybe are ruled by the same planet, might those signs have some similarities or some sort of compatibility 
that might otherwise be unexpected. Like when I hear Gemini and Virgo in the same sentence, well, I think of me and my ex-boyfriend from college because he was a Virgo. <laughs> but otherwise, I think of nothing that would make me think, oh, these people belong in the same bucket. If that makes sense. You know how some people are like, okay, Gemini's and Leo is compatible. Gemini's and Sagittarius, um, direct reflections or opposite signs right. on, on the, the spectrum, the zodiac. Um, do the planets have anything? Oh my God, how am I? How do I phrase this question? Do the signs that share a planet is that anything that we would feel in the, the actual day-to-day of our life? If I'm in the room with a Virgo, is there any sort of connection there because we share Mercury as our planet or is that sort of inconsequential? Yes, um, I would say yes with an asterisk on it. So there is some shared qualities or similarities when we talk about signs that share um, a planetary ruler, right? But then it also boils down to um, where your Mercury's might be, right? So if you're a Gemini, um, typically it would mean, because Mercury doesn't really travel too far from the sun, right? So if you're a Gemini sun, it means that Mercury will probably either be in Gemini or maybe Cancer um, because Mercury travels so closely. And then it would also depend on the Virgo and their Mercury. So is there Mercury in Libra? Was there Mercury and Virgo? Because that's going to add some extra flavor into um, how you communicate or how you might get along. I mean, typically when we talk about Gemini and Virgo, um, those signs are what we call, they're square to each other. So there's a lot of friction. And, and what I find, this is funny. So it's not uncommon for Gemini's and Virgo to partner up because I think that mental Mercury attraction, like I have, you know, you have something to talk about. I have something to talk about. Let's, you know, entertain each other talk with, you know, all, right. Talk about it together. <laughs> but then, you know, it can also kind of lean into the other, other side of the thing where it's like, well, you're not listening to me or you think, or you're, you know, you're, you're, you're think that you're smarter than me. Right. And we're all, we're both trying to be right or get a word in. So it, it can kind of go, uh, a, a different, you know, a couple different ways. Take a turn real fast if you're not careful. Right. <laughs> got it. Got it. Um, uh, shadow periods. What exactly are those and how do they apply to us? What should we consider, do, or maybe stay away from in those moments? A shadow period has to do with um, when a planet decide, like, is about to go retrograde, there's a certain degree um, or point in the sky that it will kind of freeze or stop. And then eventually the actual retrograde will start. So the shadow kind of represents like that period before a retrograde and just after a retrograde when it's not like the retrograde is an act, but, but the, we're getting like a taste of it. So, you know, it's that's, that's usually a time that's kind of like the cause. I always think, see it as the cosmos kind of giving you like a warning, like, hey, right, like, <laughs> you know, I'm this like, is about to happen, so. you know, like wrap it up, you, you know, get in the house, the right. streetlight is coming out. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that, that's kind of like how that, that works. Okay, okay, got it. And just so we have a heads up so we can get ready to come inside before the streetlights come on. When does Mercury go back in a retrograde next? Yes, so, so the, next, <laughs> the next retrograde will be in September. Um, and it'll be taking place between Libra and, and Scorpio. So, um, or wait, I'm sorry. I, I believe it will be taking place between uh, Virgo and Libra. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that'll, so yeah. So the next Mercury retrograde starts on September 9th. Okay. Okay. Got it. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future. 
building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Um, You have a new book. It's called Astrology for Happiness and Success. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, you share in it how each sign can improve their relationships with family, with friends. Um, so I love if you could just dive a little bit into the purpose of the book, your vision, what your hope is for us when we uh, read it. And then I want to get into some fun examples, maybe a couple of examples from the book. Sure. So my goal for writing the book is I really wanted to put something out that showed people how to uh, use astrology as a tool for self-development. So when you go in the book, um, I have, for example, um, mantras that people can use to journal about like what they're looking for in relationships or, you know, what they want in relationships. And also even like how to navigate things like family dynamics or, you know, getting over a breakup. These are some of the things that I talk about in the book, because I think that when we look at these different experiences through the lens of astrology, astrology gives us a sense of like, who can give a give us a deeper sense of who we are and learn like how to best navigate these things going forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and navigating those things going forward is something that is important to be intentional about. And sometimes we can feel a little bit overwhelmed. So it's great to hear and understand that we can have the stars help us in that process and right. astrology help us in that process. Um, particularly when it comes to family and, and friendships, you know, when, when I think about, I'll speak for myself, astrology, you know, traditionally it was always, Oh my God, I like somebody new. Like, are we compatible? What, when were you born? Like I saw some meme, like if she asks you, or I don't know, I always butcher the memes and the jokes, or I cannot tell a joke to save my life without like laughing halfway through it. But like something to the effect of if a mom gets a text 
from a boy, like, mom, when was I born? Cause like the dudes are always clueless. They never know. She's right, like, right. Oh my God, who is she? Who did right. you meet? Like <laughs> run, run far and fast for this little girl snatches up my baby boy. Um, right, right, yeah. I am a little girl. <laughs> I'm like, Can you drop the coordinates from the hospital? Um, I'm trying to figure this out quick. Uh, so family and friendships, that's something that is also just as important, sometimes more important to work out. And, and so to remember that we can consider astrology for those relationships too, is really important. Um, if you could give like an example, maybe we throw out communication with um, a family member who's a Capricorn, for instance, just to sort of get a flavor for what that might feel like when we're reading in the pages of the book, what what's something you might say about a Capricorn as a family member? What's something to consider when we're trying to navigate? Sure, I think that, no, I think that's a great question. Um, so for example, um, Capricorns, you know, they're earth signs and we talk about earth, earth is very sturdy, very stable, very security oriented. And Capricorns um, in general, you know, they're ruled by Saturn, which is a planet of responsibility, which means that Caps tend to take a lot of weight onto their shoulders, especially when it comes to family. And when we talk about navigating family dynamics, I think with Capricorns, um, it's kind of a twofold situation because the opposite sign of Capricorn is cancer, right? So in some ways um, that Cancerian energy teaches Capricorns how to um, open up and let people in and to like, you know, it's okay to like be dependent upon others. Like you don't always have to do it on your own because Capricorns can be very self-reliant and they pride themselves on that, which is amazing. But they also have to learn how to um, be dependent on people from time to time and allow that help to come in or that support to come in. The other thing with Caps, I think when we talk about family dynamics is that um, yeah, you know, they're the people who are used to being the ones that people go to when they need support, when they need help, when they need advice, right? Sometimes when they need money, <laughs> you know, and as Capricorns, you know, sometimes they're learning how to be able to say no, um, you know, or to ex uh, exercise boundaries, right? Uh, without feeling uh, a level of like guilt uh, behind that. So these are some things that sometimes can can kind of crop up. I think when we talk about Capricorns and family dynamics, um, how to be vulnerable and open, um, but also like being able to kind of step back and, and not have to be the one to always take the responsibility for what everyone else is doing. Okay, got it. Really insightful. Um, and an interesting way to look at how to approach the people in our life who may be of, of different Signs. So if you heard that and are like, ooh, I need to know that for Libra or Virgo or Aquarius or whoever, the book is the perfect opportunity for that then, right? Astrology. Yes. Yes. Um, let's lean into that happiness and success. What else can we expect in the pages of the book when it comes to those things specifically? Is this um, a roadmap to, to sort of the steps we should be following based on our sign? Is it more about how to deal with the people around us so that we can be happier and more successful based on their signs? A little bit of both? Yeah, a little bit. So it's funny because you, that you asked that because when I was writing this in true Sagittarius form, I was like, I need to give people everything. <laughs> you know, I, that, that, you know, Sagittarian generosity. I was like, I want to I want to try to give them as much as much as possible um, in in a way that's, you know, easily like digestible. Right. So when I wrote the book, um, part of it was about like navigating relationships, you know, navigating uh, romantic connections, but also there's a lot of it in there that's around self-care. And in it, I talk about things from like, you know, scents that each sign can work with, like scents um, and fragrances to colors 
sweaters to, uh, you know, feng shui tips to journal exercises. Like there is a, 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 a packed bunch of stuff in there that people can read um, in terms of like navigating like their day to day as well as like their relationships. Um, another thing that I put in there too, is I talked about uh, like career related stuff um, and how people might be able to like identify like their career path or um, even attract or manifest the kind of career that they want using some uh, journal prompts and exercises that I have in the book. So if people get the book, there's a lot in there. Um, I think that everyone can kind of get out of it. And the other thing I would suggest too, is that um, although the book is geared toward uh, the sun sign. So the sun sign being like, you know, the month that you were born in Gemini, Sag, Leo, etc. Um, you can also read it for different parts of your chart. So for example, if we talk about the home stuff, you might read for your moon sign. If we talk about relationship stuff, you might read for your Venus sign because your moon has to do with comfort, your home, your safety, um, you know, what you do to self-soothe, with Venus, Venus has to do a lot with like how we relate to people. So these might be other parts of your chart that you might look at in connection to the book. Yeah. Oh, that's really fascinating to think about. So essentially, if, so my moon sign is uh, Capricorn. Right. So Capricorn for me, which anybody who knows me not well would be like, wait, what? Capricorn? Anyone who knows me well would be like, yeah, I can see it. So I'm curious to know, does that mean when I think about myself in my home space, when I'm, my guard is most down, when I may be a little moody or introspective or just like the sort of deeper parts of me, that is where the Capricorn in me would be revealed? Right, right, exactly. So your moon sign, um, being that it's in Capricorn, uh, basically, what it means is that when it comes to your sense of emotional safety and security, you're going to express that or express the need in a very Capricorn way. So Capricorn moons, for example, I was talking a little bit about Capricorns in relationship to, to family. But typically, like when you're a cat moon and you're stressed, you're going to need alone time. Uh, cat moons don't really like a whole lot of like, are you OK? What's wrong? What's the matter? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm fine. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So, you know, you're going to be someone who needs to have like, let's say if we talk about home, you might need your own little room, you know, like a, or a girl shed. Right. To go into to kind of sort yourself out. And then when you're feeling better, you come out and be like, all right, I'm ready to you know be a part of the group again. Yes. You know what? I feel so seen. (laughs) And in addition to that, I think this is a really great opportunity, like this book and just diving into this world period for people to, um, I don't know, maybe get some, not encouragement. That's not the word. Validation. Validation is the word I was going for. Like sometimes there's like a, a tricky connotation around whether or not you need to be validated, but for those seeking it. Yeah. Some validation that like, what you feel is fair and reasonable and completely all right. And like, mm-hmm. also you feel a little less alone in it because it's not just Zuri in her mood with the door shut and she'll be out in 12 hours. <laughs> right. There right. are others like me. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And see, like, that's the beauty of astrology. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I really love about astrology, because even though, it, it can be very individualized and tailored to who we are, right? And as, as separate people, there is something to be said about having a shared experience or feeling like it's not just me. Right, right. You know, yeah. 
Um, okay, my last Gemini question. I'm sorry, I just get so fast. <laughs> it's okay, it's Gemini season. It's all right. Good. <laughs> um, we're in the middle of summer. Everyone's talking about hot girl summer, this hot girl summer, that. Da, 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 da. Uh, what should we Gemini's? I'm asking on behalf of all the Gemini people. Yes. Uh, what, what's in the forecast for us this summer? Are we having a hot girl summer? Should we sit down and stay in the house and hydrate? Like, what, what's in the cards for us? Well, I think right now when we talk about, um, you know, the Gemini experience, I think that a lot of Geminis are experiencing some changes in their social circle, right? So Gemini, um, like your your fellow air signs like Libra and Aquarius, um, Geminis are pretty social, right? And, and known to be the people who know people who know people who know people. And that network can get, get pretty big. However, this year, I would say like the remainder of 2022 is probably going to find you being a little bit more selective um, about your social circle or perhaps um, changing your social circle to, to, to find people who are more in alignment with like the goals that you're setting for yourself and, and you know, who you're trying to become in the world. I think the other thing, too, is that rest. And retreat is also a big theme for Gemini this year because, you know, you guys tend to be so busy having so many different things going on at one time. Um, but it can also get really exhausting really quickly as well. And you may be feeling it more than you usually have had in the past. So I think when we talk about the summer, um, it really is going to be about making it a very restorative kind of uh, experience for you, like doing things that help you to fill that cup back up so that, you know, you can have the energy to do all the different things you like to do and entertain, you know, the, the many interests that you have. Mm, okay. So not so much a hot girl summer as like a healed girl summer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I would, yeah. Let me sit down and read some books and pray and meditate. <laughs> <laughs> Try to put on my booty shorts and go to the pool, but this, this food is resonant. <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not saying that you can't. I mean, if that's, if that feels restorative. Um, <laughs> whatever reads true, whatever. Right, means. right. <laughs> um, I love how in your book you talk about, and you touched on this a little bit briefly, uh, how key power colors and scents uh, can, can play into power and seduction and how we feel. And I love that even your astrological advice um, involves all of the senses, right? right? It's very similar in that way to even fashion psychology or color psychology. Um, what inspired you to incorporate such a holistic approach? Like I, I've thought and heard and read so much about astrology. I've not seen as much um, in this area. So it's really fascinating that you've done this. Oh, thank you. Um, so the reason why I chose it is because, well, a couple of reasons. Um, I like hands-on stuff. <laughs> um, speaking of Mercury, I have a Mercury in Capricorn. So I like the idea of bringing information down to earth. Um, and, and making it uh, in a way that feels accessible and that people can actually like do. So when for me, you know, when I'm talking about astrology or I'm giving a reading or giving a, a class or a talk, I like to give people homework that people can then utilize to kind of like put put the astrology into practice. So that was a big motivation um, in in writing the book, like. How can I help people put it into practice, but also make it practical, make it fun, make it something that people want to do? Um, and then also the idea of like, um, you know, feeding the senses. I mean, I think it really helps you to absorb something when you're able to embody it. Right. Um, especially if it comes if it's something that that involves like trying something new or making a change. 
Um, I find that when we put it into practice or we we are able to do it in a way where we're able to actually embody the energy that we're trying to like work with or or sort of manifest, it makes it easier to kind of um, work with it and like incorporate it into our life. So that was my thinking behind uh, writing it that way. Okay, got it. And in the book, you also emphasize the importance of turning your home into your castle. And I can relate to that. Just I'm in my first home, I'm renovating, I'm doing all these things. And so it's an exciting opportunity to make it a safe space. Like, and Mm -hmm. and I'm for the first time ever even thinking about a home life. I've just always been running around whatever and my life is chaotic. And it was only in my late 20s, now early to mid 30s, where it's like, ugh, like my house needs to be a place of peace. And like, what does that even look like for me? And I never thought about it before. Um, But that's something that you are assisting with through that emphasis in your book. Um, Talk to me a little bit about maybe from a Sagittarius's perspective, what uh, what turning a home into a castle might mean from from an astrological perspective. So, you know, as a as your opposite sign, so Gemini, <laughs> Sagittarius is opposite Gemini. But when we talk about opposite signs, it, it really means that like we have a lot in common. We just have a different ways of doing it. But I will definitely agree and say that um, as a Sag, like I've typically like home has never really been like a that big of a deal because I've always been on the go. You know, Sag is like one of the the biggest travelers in the zodiac. But I will also say that there's something to having like. Um, a safe, comfortable, quiet uh, home space, because in my mind, home should be a place where we go to be charged, right? Home should be a place where we go to nourish ourselves so that we can have the fuel and the energy and the wherewithal that we need to go out into the world um, and, and do what it is that we need to do, whether it's achieving a goal or, you know, making some things happen. So, when I wrote the piece about the home, I really wanted to give each sign tips on how they can make their home the most comfortable um, as a way of self-care, um, but also as a way of being able to um, recharge their batteries and, and give themselves what they needed to be able to go out into the world and, and do what they needed to do. Okay, I love that. I love that. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. From BBC Radio 4, 
Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I want to do a little bit of Astro one-on-one, like rapid fire style. I can't think of a better pro, a better whiz to just boom, boom, boom it. Um, So first up, what do planet placements mean and why are astrologers always talking about houses? (laughs) planet placements have to do with the actual like where the planets are actually placed in your chart right so venus and capricorn mars and scorpio uh moon and virgo like those are your planet placements the houses have to do with um the specific areas of life uh that that are covered in the chart and wherever the planets sit in there or wherever your houses are being activated these are the areas of life that will influence you or where your attention will be called, you know, at any particular uh, time. Okay. Big three and little three. They're two different threes, right? Um, I'm not certain of the little three, unless, unless the little three is like Mercury, Venus, and Mars. Uh, because the big three typically is your, your, your rising sign, your sun sign, and your moon sign, right? Um, and then I'm, I'm guessing that the little three would probably be like your Mercury sign, your Venus sign, and your Mars sign. Um, each of those pieces is what we will call like, um, with the accepting of the, of the rising sign, because the rising, your rising is not a planet. Um, it's a, it's a space and time, but when we talk about your sun, your moon, your Mercury, your Venus, your Mars, um, these are what we call the inner planets because they affect you the most in terms of like your personal life and even with the day-to-day stuff that happens. Mm. So what is more important unless they're equally as important, the little three or the big three? Um, I would say I would give more weight to the big three, um, your sun, your moon, your rising, because these represent like, um, the biggest pieces of you, your Mercury, Venus and Mars are also important, but they kind of back up what your sun, moon and rising are doing. If that makes sense. Yeah. You already talked about this a little bit, but I want to shamelessly plug the book. So regarding your book, should we read it based on our big three or solely on our sun sign? Um, I can say you do both. Do both. <laughs> Gemini, Gemini season, do both. <laughs> uh, what does it mean when astrologers say the moon is in Aquarius or Jupiter is in Aries? And can the moon be in multiple places throughout the day? So that's a great question. Um, so when we talk about the planets being in certain signs at a given time, this is what we call transits, right? So if you can imagine each uh, zodiac sign being like a train station. And every time a planet pulls into one of the signs or pulls into one of the station, that planet is representing uh, the energy of that sign based on that planet's characteristics. For example, so for example, um, if we talk about Jupiter being in Aquarius, Aquarius is very community oriented. Jupiter has to do with um, growth. So this might be a time where we see a lot of like community growth and our friendships, you know, expanding um, in some way. So that that's kind of like what that means. Um, when we talk about um, the moon, the moon uh, transits through a sign every two and a half days. So for two and a half days, the moon is in Aries. Then after that two and a half, it moves on to Taurus. Then it moves on to, you know, and so on so until it completes the full uh, cycle. Um, the moon does 
change day to day, but it's more about like the aspects that it's making to the planet. So like the current, so when I talk about aspects, it's kind of like the conversations that the planets are having with each other that have to do with the energy of the moment, right? Or, or different ha- things that happen in the moment. So depending on where the moon is stationed for the day, for that, that two and a half day period and what other planets it's talking to, that can be a day where things can go really great or it can be really sucky. <laughs> or <Right>. both. <laughs> or a little bit of a right. three hours in a day. A lot of time for things to go really wrong or really right. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, Okay, eclipse season. In this, I am so in the dark on, no pun intended, like still trying to wrap my mind around it. So what is eclipse season? Why is it impactful? Oh, that's a good one. So eclipse season, um, it it represents change, right? Like that's the most easiest way to put it is that it represents big, but but big, but significant change, right? Eclipses repeat themselves every 18 years and every nine and a half years. And depending on when an eclipse lands and how it activates your chart, it will typically coincide with a big life change. Like people get divorced or they get married or they have a baby or their child moves out and, you know, uh, leaves leaves the nest. Or it could be starting a new career or a business or leaving a career, right, depending on where they are. So eclipses, um, they're designed to, um, you know, trigger big and profound changes in our life. Um, They often kind of, uh, because of the energy, you know, it's the sun and the moon getting together. And that that tends to generate a lot of energy, which can feel like around eclipse season um, because they come in pairs, right? So it's like two eclipses um, happening at a time, a new moon and a full moon. A new moon would be um, a solar eclipse. And a full moon would be a lunar eclipse, right? So they happen twice um, within about a two-week span of each other. And they you typically happen at the beginning of the year, sometimes in the middle, and then, you know, sometime toward the end. So when they come around when we're in eclipse season, it's usually very intense and usually very stressful because eclipses... Um, the energy tends to affect us physically. So it might be a time we feel really like worn out or tired or really like um, excited or like there's some level of anticipation in the air, right? Um, Because they're very electrically charged. Um, But they also can be times when we feel like we might be going through a crisis of sorts. But the crisis, the the job of the crisis help us to like push us through that window of change. So if something is not working, typically what happens is like around an eclipse, in addition to all like the physical and mental stuff that's happening, um, there may be something that's eclipsed out of your life and you're done with that. That that chapter is over. You're moving on. Um, Sometimes there are things that are are eclipsed into your life, too. And you're like, oh, shit, (laughs) you know, like this is a brand new, you know, a brand new chapter or a brand new thing that I'm starting. So. That that's typically how they they tend to work. Okay, all right. Uh, we've talked eclipse season. We've talked retrogrades. We've talked the big three. Um, if people are hearing all of this and they're like, "Man, I wish I had this information for the first half of this year," because maybe it wasn't going the way they wanted. Um, summer is here. Fall is upon us. I like to think of seasons as a new opportunity. If you want some sort of symbolic. Uh, push into change or growth. So how can we use astrology, particularly those who might just now be stepping into the space? Maybe they're hearing this episode and they're like, maybe I should apply this in my life. Maybe I should try this. Um, Fall is a perfect time for that sort of change. How can we apply astrology to sort of restart, refresh, or renew uh, for the second half of 2022? 
Sure. So as I was mentioning um, a bit earlier, you know, cancer season is right around the corner. Uh, cancer season marks the start of summer. Um, it's the, the, the equinox or such as a solstice point. And yeah, it's definitely like a halfway point um, in terms of like where we are on the journey for the year. I think cancer season in particular uh, is a great time to regroup, um, to take some time out. Uh, it's, no, it's no surprise that like here, you know, in the summer typically is when we start to vacation and, you know, taking time off work and things of that nature. So I think it's a great time to do that. I think that um, in terms of looking forward for the second half of the year, um, one of the things that I encourage people to, to do, and this kind of ties into my other book that's out right now, uh, it's called uh, The Astrology Journal. And it's a uh, astrology themed journal where I teach people how to kind of track their own transits and use it as a, a tool for journaling um, and, and, and self-care. So one of the, the easiest ways I think that you can kind of apply astrology into real life is just kind of getting into the habit of kind of tracking your transits. Uh, one of the quickest and easiest ways to do that is to follow the lunar cycle. Um, because the moon has a lot to say about like our day-to-day -day mood and day-to-day -day events that happen. So if you can kind of figure out like where you are in your own lunar cycle, that can give you a lot of insight on how things, um, you know, may be unfolding or happening for you on a day-to-day -day basis. So for example, I know that like, uh, so I have a moon in Aquarius. I know that when the moon is in Scorpio, for example, it's probably a time when I need to take extra care uh, with myself because I tend to be a lot more moodier and sensitive around that time. Um, I notice that sometimes when, for me, um, when the moon is in Gemini, now I love my Gemini people, but sometimes being a Sag because it's, you know, a time when the sun is furthest away from me and I'm not as, you know, uh, energetic as I typically am, um, it's, you know, Gemini sometimes uh, transits from me can kind of, can kind of like uh, throttle my adrenals. So it's a time when I need to kind of like pace myself and be very mindful about what I'm taking on. So, you know, these are things that people may want to think about in terms of like how the planets are affecting them, not only just in terms of like the big stuff, but also like the day to day stuff and like being able to manage that because I mean, if we think about where we are collectively right now, um, I think, again, <laughs> I speak for everybody when I say managing the day to day is getting increasingly difficult because of how much that's going on in the world right now. And I think that, you know, as we're thinking about moving forward, it's really about kind of taking our time and slowing down and thinking about what's sustainable for us, as opposed to trying to go about things business as usual. So, you know, as we're moving forward, this is a good time to think about your value system, what's important to you. You might find that what used to be important to you is not important to you anymore. And that's OK, um, because on a collective level, we are being pushed to change like our values on a cultural and you know social level. And so as an, you know, as all of us in, individually, we really this is a time for us to really start thinking really like long and hard about what we really value and what we're really wor willing to work towards because um, there's so many things that are not sustainable anymore for a number of reasons. And we really have to be mindful of how we conserve our energy and what we're putting our energy towards.
Mm, I am so glad Ooh, you just hit us with a word. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because obviously, you know, the podcast, my vision has always been best life minus the burnout, right? I feel like we all got best life burnout. We've been chasing, 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 striving goals. Like it's so hard when in this age of social media, you're always seeing what everyone else is doing. And I just got to the point where I looked up and was like, I don't know that I care that much so much as figuring out what I actually want to be doing and what actually feels good and rest more than anything yeah. is, is that thing. And so to your point about value systems and sitting down and being like, hey, do the core values I used to have still serve me? Do they even ring true anymore? Like that can be a scary thing, right? When you have so closely identified with who you used to be, like, this is how I act. This is what's important to me. Mm -hmm. That's different now is to sometimes have yourself question who you are. It can be a little bit of an identity crisis. So I'd love to hear you saying that this is a season for all of us collectively and individually to sit down and really consider why we're doing the things we're doing, if it's still working for us, and then encouraging us to be brave and bold about making changes if need be. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm a big uh, believer that it's okay to change your mind. Um, and, you know, you know, to the point that you were talking about in terms of how you started your, you know, your podcast, you know, as a Gemini, part of your gift is to teach people to kind of like look at different options, you know, look at things differently. Right. Um, and that it's OK to change our mind based on the information that we're receiving in the moment. Right. So I think that as we go forward, um, this is a great time to uh, be flexible. Um, and to not try to lock ourselves into, you know, any one thing right now. Um, and I, I mean, you know, there may be commitments and things like that that we'll be making that, you know, make sense. Um, but I think it's also important to embrace some of the uncertainty that's in the air, because this uncertainty that we're all feeling is there to help us with creating something new. Mm-hmm. Okay. Creating something new. I'm always about that. Um, Mecca, what does best life minus the burnout look like for you? What does wellness look like for you? How do you recharge? How do you fill your cup personally? Um, Playtime. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm a fire sign. I'm a Sag, uh, a Leo rising. Um, I even have a Mars in Leo. So so for me, especially, you know, this summer, I was talking about how this summer I've, I've you know, I've been taking a step back from, from some work stuff. Uh, I just want to play, you know, I just want to have a good time. I just want to be able to remind myself that there's still things to be joyful about and there's still joy and, you know, fun and nice things out in the world to to enjoy and take advantage of. And, and that's my thing that I would encourage, you know, everyone to kind of keep in mind. Yes, you know, there's a lot of things that suck. And 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 just, you know, in, in some ways they kind of need to in order for certain things to actually change and not be like lip service, you know, um, like there, there needs to be deep and, and fundamental changes across the board. But as we're on our way in making those changes, it's so important that we hold on to our joy, that we hold on to our hope, that we hold on to the fact that, you know, that there's still good things in the world to to take and, you know, take advantage of our experience. And so um, because that's the fuel, essentially, that's going to keep us, you know, fighting the good fight. Right. So 
Um, yeah, for me, it's things like bike riding and going on boat rides and, you know, wine tastings and uh, roller skating, you know, whatever it is, you know, I, I love to like entertain my my little child, my inner child, I should say. So that that's what what uh, wellness looks like for me. Mm, I love that. And I love that sentence, too. I love to entertain my inner child to, to look yeah. at. And that little that little something as um, a being that needs to be loved on and entertained and taken care of and put to bed to rest and all all of those things that sometimes we just ignore. Yes, yeah. go go going. Um, okay, in summation, wait, hold on. So producer Star wants me to ask. She's a Gemini too, so I'm just throwing her real quick and blaming on her, even though we're both Gemini. How should the Gemini approach wellness, like when we're spread too thin, when we're all in a thousand different places, what's the best way for us to bounce back from burnout quickly? Um, I think it has to do with, um, you know, eliminating things, right? The process of elimination is really what helps uh, Gemini because it can be so easy to say yes and yes and yes to so many different things that it can get overwhelming, right? Um, and you can end up frying your circuits, you know, as a, as a result. So in order for Geminis to keep, take care of themselves um, outside of like the, you know, the usual wellness related things, it's really about the process of eliminating things, um, learning how to say no, um, and, and looking at what you can kind of like maybe delegate or give to other people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm just now learning how to say no, and I'm still not good at it, but Practice. Practice. Okay. Thank you so much for gracing us with your presence, your wisdom, your expertise again. Um, Where can people find you if they want to engage? Where can people find your newest book if they want to purchase? Give us all the things. Sure. So if you want to find me, you can find me at mylifecreated.com. While I'm I'm taking a break from readings, but I'll should be back in the fall um, and, and taking on, on on new folks. And as far as my books, you can find them where pretty much wherever books are sold. Okay. And leave us with an affirmation for the week, if you will, please. Oh, what would you leave us with? Um, an affirmation for the week. I would say, um, I will do right by me. <laughs> I will snap to that because it is so easy not to. Right. I will right by me. Megan, thank you so much again. It was so great to have you back on the podcast and I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you again to Mecca for joining me on the podcast this week. Make sure you listening, check out our website, hothappymess.com for the show notes. If you want more details on this episode, or if you want to maybe book an appointment with Mecca or order one of her books or all of her books, hothappymess.com, baby. Okay. If you love what you're hearing, tell us words of affirmation are the easiest, most free way to support the podcast. So if you could be a real one and leave a five-star rating and review on Apple, or Spotify. It would be so appreciated. And if you've got a story to tell, a real woman to highlight, maybe you are that woman, hit me up. Hello at hothappymess.com and share this episode with a friend you think would love it right now. Thank you. Pretty please. You're the best. Bye. 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 From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.